Let us all pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, we bless you for this gift of a period of time in which we can listen for your voice to speak to us by your servants who have served you like Joseph, for these who have been dedicated to your service and you today, for the opportunity we have now to listen to an exposition of your word and to apply it to our own lives and minds and hearts so that we might more faithfully follow Jesus. We pray that the gifts which we bring, tokens of the measure of health and strength that you've given to us and of the resources you have entrusted into our care, we ask that every of this money might be used to the glory of Jesus Christ and might bring his saving grace and his healing mercy to many. And now, Father, make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I'm going to try to hurry through this because I know it's, um, uh, we've been here for a while and the weather's very hot. I do want to welcome the visitors who are here and especially the new students. There were many, many students that were at a service earlier this morning. And we are grateful that those of you who have chosen to come here uh, are worshiping with us now. Uh, some of you know that I went through what my doctor told me was very minor surgery and it wouldn't hurt and it didn't hurt him a bit. <laughs> but it has bothered me a little bit. And uh, so I was out for last Sunday and I did not get to be here uh, to congratulate Billy and Ruth Graham who were present there right here in Gaither Chapel 50 years ago this August. And you know that's really keeping your promise 50 years. How many of you have been married 50 years or here today? Look at this. Now this is wonderful. Aren't you glad for that? <laughs> Dorothy and I are just rookies. We've only been married 42 years. <laughs> now then, uh, one of the, uh, Ruth Graham's very favorite hymn is I Will Arise and Go to Jesus and I wanted that sung last Sunday, and I intended to be here, but because of the surgery thing, I couldn't. Uh, now then, last week, there were some people who came from ABC News here to Montreat, and were up at the Grahams and interviewed Billy and Ruth Graham, and have also interviewed Franklin Graham for a program that's to be released later. These people came down to my house because Franklin grew up like uh, Joseph and Robert Barker, and so many others here in this Montreat church, and they wanted to talk with me. Uh, uh, it took them about an hour and a half to set up out in the backyard, and they put those huge reflectors up. They had two vans and three automobiles, and there were a lot of people. Well, you know that I was praying that the Lord would help me to be able to think uh, clearly uh, so that I might bring some witness for Jesus Christ to these. I've often... Uh, and yesterday, of course, when we were at our retreat for the church officers, and by the way, only one deacon and one elder were absent. There were 18 of us there yesterday uh, seeking to pray and to study and to think about a vision for the church and reaching out, especially to reach others and to keep on growing in Christ and to show how much we care to other people. One of those scriptures which we had for study is familiar to many of you, but I want to read it again and then make a few comments and apply it to our hearts on how to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. 
If you have your Bible and you'd like to follow it, it's in Acts chapter 8, verse 25 through verse 40. Acts chapter verse 25 through 40. Just coming up to verse 25, a man by the name of Simon had prayed that he might have the Holy Spirit. Uh, he hadn't prayed for the Holy Spirit to win others to Christ, but he wanted Peter to convey the Holy Spirit to him so that he could work miracles. And he wanted to do this by asking Peter to give him money. He said to Peter, I'll give you some money if you will uh, give to me the Holy Spirit so that I can be enthusiastic and powerful. But he wanted to heal who he wanted to heal and to say what he wanted to say. And God's Holy Spirit is not available as some power uh, like this to be used. And uh, J.B. Phillips translates that in the King James, it's very polite. It says, uh, uh, thy money perish with thee. You know what Phillips translates it? Go to hell, you and your money. Now that may sound irreverent, but it's a very exact translation because that's what he said. And then he comes to verse 25, And so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, Peter and John had come there to investigate uh, this. They started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of Samaria, of the Samaritans. Now if you remember in John chapter 4, uh, it says that Peter and John came down here. Now that John is the Apostle John. And John had come down there with Peter because Philip, who was a deacon, not an elder, not a preacher, but a deacon, uh, Philip had been preaching the facts about Jesus Christ and many of these hated Samaritans had turned to Jesus and were saved and that's when Simon wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit and Peter and John came to see what was going on, straighten that out, and then uh, Philip stays there uh, 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 preaching in a great revival that had occurred. You remember the Gospel of John in chapter 4, Jesus, uh, there's a, a prayer, he must needs go through Samaria. He went through Samaria because he was to see a woman who had been married five different times and was living with a man who was not her husband and had come out in the blaring heat of the day to draw water and Jesus saw this woman and he said to her, give me a drink of water. And she said, how is it that you are a Jew? Ask a drink of me who am a woman of Samaria. The Jews don't have any dealings with us. We are Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, and that I had the gift of giving you water that would flow up inside of you, you would ask me and I would give you uh, an everlasting spring. And she, just thinking in a cavalier fashion, said, well, give me this water so that I don't have to come here and drink. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But I'm going to give him water uh, that will always be inside him or her. Now the water that he speaks of is the salvation. And he was trying to get that across to her. And uh, I, I had a friend who was trying to teach this passage of scripture to a friend of hers uh, down in Nassau in the Bahamas. Uh, some of you know Virginia Mara who comes here to visit. And Virginia told me that this friend had a glass of water that was on a table. 
and she had given uh, this friend a New Testament and marked this passage and wanted her to read it. And uh, she was reading it and uh, smoking a cigarette while she was reading it. And she flipped her hand around to one side and knocked the glass of water over uh, on the page of the Gospel of John. And when she looked down, it said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. <laughs> and then she realized uh, a miracle that what Jesus is talking about is not this water uh, here, but the water of eternal life, of a life that lives forever and is reconciled to God. Now then, uh, this Samaritan woman was one of the people who would have been there when Peter and, and John came down to Samaria to investigate the preaching of Philip where all of these people had been converted and where they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, right in the midst of that great revival that occurred, and by the way, Samaria is a country as well as a city. If I address a letter to Marianne Mojica in New York, it's New York City, New York. And this is Samaria, Samaria. Uh, Samaria is a city, and there was also a country called Samaria, and there was a place called Sychar, a town in Samaria where this woman was. But an angel of the Lord came, spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, this is a desert road. Now here, Philip is lift, listening to the Holy Spirit speak to him about, uh, about witnessing. And the, he's seeing all of these people come to Christ. And then the Holy Spirit says, leave all this crowds of people and, and go down on this desert road. And so he leaves to go on that desert road. And I think he must have been puzzled as to why God would tell him through an angel to leave this successful ministry and to go out there on the road. But he does. And then off on this road, see what happens. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go to the south, to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. And he arose and went. And behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He sees a caravan, a wagon train-like effect, only a very elegant one. This man has come from what would be, if my reckoning is correct, almost 1,200 miles. He is a black man. He is a person who evidently had some contact in the world of finance with some Jew who witnessed to him about Jehovah God. And he becomes a convert to the God of the Ten Commandments. He thinks this is surely a high concept of God, and I know this God, and I want to worship him. And so he had gone from all the way from Ethiopia, clear into Jerusalem, probably at one of the great festivals like Passover or Tabernacles. And while he was there, I imagine that he must have heard people like Peter and John preaching on the street corners. And they were taking the Old Testament scriptures, which is all the Bible that they had, and they were showing how Jesus fulfilled these scriptures. 
Now, I want you to understand that this is important for us to know. Uh, the reason that I mentioned the ABC News thing was that I wanted to be able to witness when the camera on me, when that hot light was searing down on me. And you know what? The only time when they really showed any interest in what I was saying much was when the, the uh, newsman who was interviewing me said, what is evangelism? What is an evangelist? I don't know what it is. And I said an evangelist is one who knows the Christian message in such a way that he can present the claims of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in a manner that causes another person to respond to that invitation and to become a Christian. And he marveled. He, he, and I, my wife, who was watching all of this taking place in the, in the backyard, said, I noticed that when you started to speak about the meaning of an evangelist, I saw the camera people's heads snap around. They didn't have a clue as to the real meaning of Christianity. This is why we say the Apostles' Creed over and over again. We're trying to understand that God in his great and gracious acts has acted for our salvation. That man without God does these dark and horrible things that Joseph was talking about this morning. So Peter and John went down to Jerusalem, went down from Jerusalem to Samaria. There they okayed Philip going, and then Philip is caught up, told by an angel to go out to this desert road. He sees this caravan and this high court official. Uh, what do you take with you when you go on a journey to read? Uh, this is interesting to me. This man was reading, and I was asking uh, Frank, our middle son teaches New Testament in a seminary in Birmingham, and he told me that in this day and time, people always read out loud. And it's because the, they don't have the nice punctuation that we have in our grammatical system. And so it is more easily understood if it's pronounced out loud. And so here is this Ethiopian. He's got a scroll of Isaiah. He is in a chariot with a large crowd of people He's reading out loud. He was an educated man. And evidently the other people that were there were listening to what he was reading. And then Philip, who has been told by God to leave that deliriously popular ministry and to go on to this desert road, hears this man reading out loud and he can scarce believe his ears. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. And Peter says he's reading the promises of the Messiah. Philip says he's reading the promises of the Messiah. And Philip goes over. And he says to this learned, distinguished official, uh, listen to what he says. The Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. When Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? This is, this. what's the meaning of this strange passage? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its sharer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. That reminds you of Jesus when he is taken to the cross. In humiliation, Jesus who suffered in our place, in humiliation his judgment was taken away. He was not given a fair trial. Who shall relate his generation? Who will tell the story of his life? For his life is removed from the earth. Then the, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself? That is, is Isaiah saying this about himself? Isaiah? Of himself or of someone else? And Philip opened his mouth. Uh, this is a phrase that shows that there was some formal manner in which Philip started to speak this way to him. And Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now what would Philip have told this man? Philip would have talked about the Old Testament scriptures, the psalmist saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Perhaps Philip would have talked about the prediction of the coming of the Messiah, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Perhaps they that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Philip started taking the Old Testament scriptures and relating them to this man such a way that finally this man says to Philip and when they went along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look water what prevents me from being baptized now that tells you a little bit about what Philip had been saying uh, I was trying to uh, explain to this newsman the other day the meaning of the Christian gospel and I went back in the house after it was over and I looked at an old Bible that had been given to me in 1962 in Manchester, England when the New English Bible translation came out. And one of the professors that I admired at that time was at Aberdeen where Dr. Jack Crawford uh, did his PhD was A.M. Hunter, a distinguished New Testament scholar. And A.M. Hunter said that a reporter's summary of an early Christian sermon would have run something like this. And I wrote it down. The prophecies are fulfilled and the new age has, the Old Testament scriptures have been fulfilled and the new age has dawned. The Messiah is born of David's seed. He has appeared. He is Jesus of Nazareth, God's servant, who went about doing good and healing by God's power who was crucified according to God's purpose, who was raised from the dead on the third day, who is now exalted to God's right hand, and who will come again in glory for judgment. Therefore, let all repent and believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's probably what Philip said to that Ethiopian. He related these very things here. And so then 
What's the lesson for us? The lesson is this, that if you want to be a witness for Jesus Christ, if the Spirit tells you to go, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I was coming back from a, a trip to Vietnam, and I was on board a Pan American flight number one. And this plane landed at Bangkok, and I got on it there. Then it went from there to Rangoon in Burma, and then it went to somewhere in India, and then finally made its way to Beirut and landed there. And in Beirut, a lady got on the plane, and it was crowded, and she sat by me. She noticed that when they served the food that I had bowed my head and said a little prayer to myself over the food that I was about to eat. And she looked out the corner of her eye at me and she said, are you some sort of religious worker? And so I told her that I was a minister, that I'd been in Vietnam, that I'd been preaching to her troops that were out there. And then we got into a conversation about a personal faith in Jesus Christ. The plane went on to Frankfurt and landed. Then the plane came on to London and landed. And I was going to attend uh, a Billy Graham crusade that was in London. So I got off the plane and a naval attache met me at the airport and took me to the hotel where I was to be overnight. This lady... Uh, overnighted somewhere then the next day she got that same flight Pan American 1 and came on toward New York but while I was there I saw Lane Adams and talked to him told him about my going to Vietnam and uh, the next day when Pan American flight number one went out I was not on it but this lady was on that plane it was very crowded her seat assignment was right by Lane Adams and Lane started talking to her and she said to him you know you remind me of an American that was on this airplane from Beirut to London and Lane said would he have just come from Vietnam and she jumped now you see that seems like a coincidence but Lane told her he said lady God's going to a lot of trouble to tell you something <laughs> and, and then he began to make his pitch for Jesus Christ to her and he told her when you uh, get to New York uh, in your hotel room you'll find a Bible and you read that Bible I want you to read the Gospel of John and learn about faith in Jesus Christ well to be obedient to the Holy Spirit I had to try to witness for Jesus so if you have the opportunity go ahead and witness for him a clumsy witness is better than no witness at all remember that the gospel is open to all this was a black man not only a black man, but one of those people uh, who had apparently been mutilated in order to serve in some big uh, status in a queen's court. And as a result of it, he would have been unclean. And yet this outcast wanted God so much that he came to Jerusalem, heard about Jesus, and probably was reading that Isaiah 53 when and Philip got on board his chariot and told him about Jesus being the fulfillment of that prophecy and he realized that the gospel is for all uh, we need to learn to witness to all classes of people and all sorts of people uh, and when we do God does great things through us 
And then we need to be enthusiastic about our witness to Jesus Christ. Uh, if we are, you know, I have some friends who are here today from Florida, and we get so enthusiastic about a football game that he'll call me long distance from Florida to describe a certain play, and we're both looking at the TV at the same time, watching an NFL football game. Or someone else will call me about North Carolina winning the championship. I got two calls the night that North Carolina won the NCAA. Now, if we're that enthusiastic about sports, can't we be enthusiastic about Jesus Christ? Why aren't we burdened enough to share our faith with someone else about him? We need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We need to be enthusiastic. We need to know the scriptures. That's why we read the Bible and why I preach it over and over here. We need to know this Bible and to preach it to other people. My first trip overseas was years ago. Dorothy and I had been married about a year. And uh, we came up to Columbia Seminary and went to school. And I met a Waldensian. There was a man by the name of Peter Baldo, who back in uh, about 1120, around that time, uh, was a rich merchant in Italy. And of course, the Roman Catholic Church was everything then, and the faith was encrusted with idolatry and superstition. And Peter Baldo had a friend that was struck dead suddenly, and he looked at that poor, pathetic, dead man, and he wondered, where does the soul of man go when he dies? He felt no living faith in what he was watching, in the veneration of relics, and in the liturgy that he saw. It was all obscured. Being wealthy and educated, he ordered a copy of the Bible. And he began to read. And through reading the New Testament, he had a profound conversion to Jesus as his living Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit invested his life and he became an enthusiastic promoter of Bible studies. Uh, his daughters became wonderful Christians. And Peter, Vol Peter Valdo then began to be persecuted by the Roman church. And the Waldensians had to flee up into the mountains that separate uh, Switzerland and Italy and France. And high up in those Alps, these valley people who lived in the valleys and then had to climb up into the mountains to get away lived. They were persecuted and hounded. And so that year that I went to Italy, studied, Dorothy and I sold our car and took the money and bought a ticket to Rome. And we got over there, and Dr. Elio Enard, uh, one of our professors who had been at the seminary, uh, let us stay. The seminary was out for the summer, so we stayed at the seminary. Now, I can't read Italian, and so down in the library, I was looking around for books that were in English that I could read to make the best use of the summer that I was there. And I came across a poem that is attributed to John Greenleaf Whittier, and it tells the story about these Waldensians who knew the scriptures and were enthusiastic about their faith and who shared it with others. And it tells us that when they made their living as merchants, that they would often try to secure a promise from someone that they were selling to, that they would not report them to the local priest and clergy. Then when that promise was secured, 
they would tell them the story of the gospel and give them a portion of the news. And listen to this little poem that I want to use in closing. Now this is a, a valley traveler, and this is based on true uh, events. O oh, lady fair, these silks of mine are beautiful and rare. The richest web of the Indian loom which beauty's queen might wear. And my pearls are pure as thy own fair neck with whose radiant light they vie. I have brought them with me. A weary way will my gentle lady buy. The lady smiled on the worn old man through the dark and clustering curls which veiled her brow as she bent to view his silks and glittering pearls. And she placed their price in the old man's hand and lightly turned away. But she paused at the wanderer's earnest call. My gentle lady, stay. O lady fair, I have yet a gem which a purer luster flings than the diamond flash of the jeweled crown on the lofty brow of kings. A wonderful pearl of exceeding price whose virtue not decayed whose light shall be as a spell to thee and a blessing on thy way. The lady glanced at the mirroring steel where her form of grace was seen, where her eyes shone clear and her dark locks waved their clasping pearls between. Bring forth thy pearl of exceeding worth, thou traveler gray and old, and name the price of thy precious gem, my page, shall count thy gold. The cloud went off from the pilgrim's brow as a small and meager book, unchased with gold or gem of cost, from a fold in his robe he took. Here, lady fair, is the pearl of price. May it prove as such to thee. Nay, keep thy gold. I ask it not, for the word of God is free. The gray old traveler went his way, but the gift he left behind hath had its pure work on that high-born maiden's mind. And she hath turned from the pride of sin to the lowliness of truth and given her human heart to God in its beautiful hour of youth. And she hath left the gray old halls where an evil faith had power, the courtly knights of her father's train and the maidens of her bower. And she hath gone to the valley trails by lordly feet untrod, where the poor and needy of the earth are rich in the love of God. Now then, once we try to tell someone else about Jesus, we ought to try to help them to know him. I can remember when I first really got serious about the Lord. We used to have a little thing that we, I think it was a chorus that we sang that said, Lord, lead me to some soul today and teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. And another chorus that said, lead me to some soul today and love that soul through me and teach me, Lord, just what to say to win that soul to thee. Well, this Ethiopian officer, when they went along the road, they came to some water. The official said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, there's an old 
uh, marginal gloss here where one of the manuscripts says, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And the man says he does. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And I can imagine that he told all of the, uh, the big retinue and entourage of people that were with him, I want all of you to come here. It says he was a man of great authority. All of you come here and see what I'm going to do. Now I'm convinced that this is the Messiah that I have been reading to you about. And Philip here knows this to be true. And Philip has explained it to me. I'm going to receive the sign of baptism that shows that from now on out, I belong to Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Philip examined that man, catechized him, did everything that was necessary right there. And the man was baptized. By the way, it's a deacon who does the baptizing, not a preacher. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, like Elijah or Elisha in the Old Testament. And the eunuch saw him no more. But now here's one of the keys of a true conversion. He went on his way rejoicing. The Christian faith is a happy faith in spite of the suffering that we go through. Billy Sunday used to say that a lot of people think they have religion when all they've got is a liver complaint. And Sunday was right. Those who are enthusiastic about their Christian faith want to witness to the newsman. They want to witness to business people that they come in contact with. They want to share their faith because it's the most important thing in the whole world. Jesus said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's no need in that. You can accept Jesus Christ right now. Now I've said these old words so many times and I noticed that that newsman the other day listened so intently when I said to him, you give as much of yourself as you know how to give to as much of Jesus Christ as you can understand. That's honest. That's all you can give. That's all God asks. And then you grow from that point on. Let us conclude our worship by singing and I extend an invitation to any of you to come forward and uh, show by coming forward that you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, if you wish to discuss and buy the meaning of a Christian commitment, Richard or I will be glad to talk with you and uh, our deacons or elders will. Take the sheet, uh, may the mind of Christ my Savior, the blue sheet that you've got, and let's just sing the first and last stanzas of may the mind of Christ my Savior. Let's stand, please. Let us receive the benediction. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, to whom alone be all glory, honor, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore.